Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to our latest edition of Eating Road Buzz, our weekly Brentford podcast. My name is Robert Warlow. I'm joined here today by our Brentford club writer, Tom Moore. Hello. Hello. And also our QPR club writer, Phil Spencer. Hello, Rob. Hello. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Good, good. So we'll review, first of all, Brentford's uh, 3-0 defeat at Derby at the weekend. Obviously, Derby going well and currently in that automatic promotion spot. Tom, you were at Pride Park. Um, was it fair to say the turning point was the sending off? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I thought it was quite an even game, to be honest. I think if you were to, if it was say boxing, it would probably have been Brentford a point or so in front, as it were, on the judges' scorecards. So, but very, very close game. I think it would have been a bit. It, it certainly would have been a much different game if there hadn't been a red card. But I think it could have been, Brentford could have won that game, but I think it would have been a much more entertaining game to watch because after the red card, and I must say my instinct was it was a red card, that having seen it in real time and then sort of looking at the replays, it was, as soon as you see it on the replays, it's like, he's given the red card, you're never going to win that appeal for for for, for that. So I didn't, can't have too many complaints. It wasn't malicious, it was just over-enthusiastic. And then, Derby get a couple of quick goals and it reminded me of a trip there in the 2015-16 season under Lee Carsley. I mean, it's Dykhaus and have been sacked and Derby were two up at half-time and pretty much declared and it was one of the worst performances I've seen from Brentford in, in that 2015-16 season. And then, uh, yeah, second half, Brentford did at least go for it with 10 men. They shuffled it about a bit. I think they had a bit more of a, a better idea of how, how to play with 10 men at that point mm. and how to counter, counterbalance the absence of uh, Sergi Cannell. So I think they'd, they'd learned, plus also Derby were pretty much happy. They felt they weren't going to concede many goals. So uh, they, they were pretty much convinced they'd won the game. So it's a difficult one to say, but I, can't, I don't think uh, there can be too many complaints about the red card. I know some fans have been saying, oh, he got the ball, it's not a foul. But when you go in at that sort of speed, at that that sort of thing, is you're always going to make the referee have to make a decision. And it's probably potentially one of those ones where if that was at Griffin Park, it would have been a yellow. If it was a Derby player, it would have been a yellow. Because it is easier, maybe in the ref's mind, to send off the away player than and a home one because if you send off a home player then obviously the fans are going to get on your back and then there's going to be more bang for blood as it were and I've certainly seen worse fouls only punished with a yellow card I thought 
Luke Hines won on Alan Judge that broke his leg. That was only punished with a yellow card. It was early on. It was still a horrendous, I thought it was a worse challenge than, uh, than Sergio Canals's. It was only a yellow card. And I think part of that was because he was a home player. It's very difficult to send off a home player in the early stages of the game. But looking back at that, and that the thing was that error made for some pretty horrendous tackles to fly in throughout the game yeah. because the referee's already set of it is if breaking someone's leg's not going to be a red card mm. then you can pretty much get away with anything and it just led to it led to anarchy so you have to almost sometimes go for that red card because if it is if you go oh, I can, we can get away with this is then you'll see even more potentially dangerous tackles flying in. what was the reaction from the players I mean often people say that you know the, the reaction of the, those initially, those around it, kind of tell it's just a telltale sign of whether it was a bad tackle or not. Well, Dean Smith wasn't happy with the Derby players going over to the referee, but then after the card was produced, there wasn't necessarily the absolute surrounding of the referee that you see when you feel there's a harsh red card. Sergio Canos pretty much accepted it. I think he knew he was in trouble with that tackle mm. anyway. And I, I think the only thing is, is obviously, I know we've discussed VAR a lot in, in, gen, in general football, is I think maybe at times with those tackles where you do have a player on the ground being treated, the referee should go, right, I'm calling the physio one, and then I'm going to consult with the uh, technology, and then I'm going to make my decision. I'm not making my decision yet. We'll call the physio on while he's being treated. I'll look at the footage. We're not wasting any time because the player's being treated. So you can look at it and then make a decision from that. So maybe that that could be something that we could see in future, maybe with the video technology. And that as well wouldn't necessarily slow the game down either. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that uh, after the red card, I mean, Derby obviously, like you said, got those two quick goals. I mean, did that really kill it off? Derby took advantage at that point? Yeah, they showed their ruthless streak and I... Wouldn't be surprised if they were to sort of take second spot. I see it as being between them and Aston Villa, to be honest, at the moment. Phil, bring you in here. I mean, I guess when you're a side going to a, a team that is challenging at the top there, what you can't afford is to go down to 10 men, isn't it? That's, that's probably the worst thing that could happen for you. That's it. I mean, um, yeah, you're playing against Derby. You know that you're going to be in for a, a difficult game anyway. And as, as Tom mentioned, Brentford were very much in the game up until that point. And it is... Um, so it's always a shame when that happens because it does kind of spoil mm. it as a as a contest really where you almost know that um when you're playing against derby who are like second in the league they are in in fine form you know that the game is most likely to swing in their favor when once that happens and they go down to 10 men uh, derby are a, a really good team i mean they're I mean, quite often they get into this position around this time of the season. So whether they can sustain it is, uh, once again, that's a, a different argument altogether. But um, no, when you are playing with 10 men at Pride Park, uh, with the quality that they've got at the disposal, they are going to punish you. And uh, yeah, it was, just, uh, it was just a shame for Brentford that, uh, that the red card came so early and before they possibly had the chance to, uh, to get a goal to, uh, to make it a different contest. Have you seen the incident in the red card? You, you... I, have, I have seen it, yeah. Well, it did look like a, a red card. I think um, I mean, what Tom said was, was probably right. It didn't seem like it was a, um, a malicious foul, but um, I think it was definitely a red card. One of those that you, you, you see the red given. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think also what Tom said was, was absolutely right, and that you, you do see them given differently if it is somewhere else. I mean... The referees it shouldn't be the case at all but ultimately they 
they're human beings and they, they, they want to be liked to an extent. Mm. So when they are um, refereeing at, at Pride Park, if they make a decision after 20 minutes, which is going to get everyone in the stadium's backs up, then he's going to be in for a difficult afternoon. And um, you, you don't want it to be the case, but you, you do feel that sometimes referees and officials, they, they can they can bottle some of these kind of uh, some of these kinds of decisions, but um, I think I think in this case it was it was the correct call, and so um, so yeah, I think it was I think it was right. Tom, back to to you, and, and obviously how how Brentford respond to that, I suppose, is is key. I mean, that, that like we said, any team going to Derby are likely to be in for a tough. It wouldn't perhaps have been a game they would have targeted as you know we've got to win this one, but it's a you know it's a little bit of a setback going three losing three 0 it's it's a setback, but I think they can. There's potentially more positives than negatives to take. I mean, Brentford, by and large, have been a relatively clean side this season. That's their first red card of the season. They only had two the year before, and I think in Dean Smith's reign, they, there's only been one further red card. So, in two two and a bit years, to have four red cards is not really that bad a thing so they can almost write it off as as that and it's, it's one where yes losing 3-0 is a, a bit of a blow but they're probably the better side in the second half admittedly Derby had pretty much uh, declared shall we say but they can still take heart from the way they were, they were playing they they showed some flashes certainly in the first half it was quite good to see sort of Henrik Dalsgaard who had been out for three months working quite nicely with Florian Jogazun on the uh, on the right flank. There are certainly things they can take away as a as a positive, but obviously with other teams above them winning it extends that gap to the playoffs so they really have to turn it around probably but then there, there, there's probably a couple of fix there, there's teams like Preston that are coming up that you feel that Brentford can beat. Sunderland are having a very difficult time. That's going to be a difficult place to go. Burns, you you feel that if Brentford can have a good start, they could take a victory there. Then there's Birmingham, and I know a lot of Brentford fans will be up for that on mm-hmm. Tuesday night. And then the trip to Leeds with their ridiculous ticket prices. Is it all? Is uh, is the next four four games are sort of big as to whether Brentford can still see themselves as a side that's looking at the playoffs or a team that's uh, almost just uh, waiting for the season to end. Mm. How big a miss will Sergi Canos be now for in suspension? Yeah, he'll be a miss because it, it it's provided a very interesting sort of setup for the end. Because obviously, with Lasse be very likely to be going to China. I'd say that's ninety nine percent happening. There's always a chance it might not happen. Is it? It's forcing Dean Smith to sort of change the way his side set up. And it was interesting at Derby. That you had uh, Ollie Watkins in the middle with Canos and Florian Dodson on, on the wing. There was obviously Neil Mopai who didn't necessarily have the best reception against Norwich, and Dean Smith wasn't happy with sort of the the atmosphere towards him, given the context of Viva, etc. So it was interesting to see that it was Watkins starting up front. So you had, but with Canos missing, is it now leaves sort of does someone come in on this canals or do you bring Mopai back in or do you or do you sort of shift it even more as I mean to me I see it as three options is you keep Watkins up front and you uh, give 
someone like Alan Judge, Emiliano Marcondes a run on the, on the wing? Or do you bring back Neil Maypai and play Watkins on the wing? Or do you try something a bit different and something that worked at Derby, which was have the main sort of false nine position, which he, he did brilliantly in the second half against Fulham in that position earlier this season after Vive got injured. So could even see him as a potential option or you could throw Marcondes up there as well. He's, he's played in that role. There's, it's, that's going to be the interesting thing to see on Saturday is how he's replaced. There are, there are a few few options and in a way of replacing him and it potentially provides an opportunity for someone like Judge and Marcondes who've not started a, a league game yet this season due to obviously signing in January and coming back from injury in January. So it gives potentially gives them a chance to uh, stake a claim. So Preston then next snip for for Brentford. Um, I guess that's the sort of game that, as you you alluded to earlier, they've got to win if they're going to be trying to get into the playoffs. Yes, I think you have to you have to look at Preston as a pretty much a, a must win. I mean, they had a very good three two win up there earlier this season in a bit of a ding dong game at mm-hmm. times. I think it was taking the lead three times and eventually out. Holding on, and it was it was a it was quite an exciting game. I remember that that was when Nico Yanis got knocked out after after one of the goals, which was a bit a bit of a shock to sort of see it happen at that moment. So there, it was it was an exciting game, and uh, one certainly for the neutrals there. So yeah, I could see it being a, an interesting one. They're a good side under Alex Neil, and um, it, it, it's one that should be quite quite fun to watch. So where do you see it now in terms of Brentford and trying to get into the playoffs? So I guess there's a bit of a gap, as Tom said, that's emerging with you know every defeat that they have. They're likely to be pushed further back. But do you still see them as potential contenders? Definitely. I mean, there's always uh, there's always a team that breaks out of that kind of um, mid-table block of mm. teams um, who, who comes to the fore coming towards the, uh, the end of the season. And there's no reason at all why, why it can't be Brentford. I think the, the results against Derby was... Um, it was disappointing based on the results of the other teams as well. It has kind of like put a little bit of daylight between them and the playoff places. But realistically, I don't think Derby was really the kind of place that Brentford fans would have gone to expecting or even so much like hoping that they would necessarily get a victory up there. Possibly a draw would have been a good result that I've seen it as. So um, I don't think there's too much been lost from from uh, from that result. But um, yeah, there are, there are a couple of... Um, more winnable games coming up, like Tom mentioned, it's, it's Preston, it's Sunderland, it's Birmingham, Leeds, they've been a little bit hit and miss recently, they're the next four games, so um, you'd think that um, that Brentford can get results in those games, but uh, to be honest, I think they probably probably do need to uh, get results in those matches as well, if they can, I don't know, out of 12 points, if they can get 8, 9, 10 points um, from, from that, that's probably what they're going to be needing if they are realistically going to be looking towards the playoffs in if that doesn't happen, then it might be a case of there might be too much distance between them, and um, it's not so much a case of not being able to do it from a points tally. It's all the other teams that are in the middle that you're going to be hoping they're slipping up, and it just make, does just make it a little bit more complicated. But um, I think they're certainly certainly capable. Brentford have looked uh, a good team so mm. far this season, and um, just as capable as the other teams that are around them. And as you say, two of those four games are against teams that are there, there you know, with them in that pack, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's particularly important, I suppose, in those games to make sure that A, you don't lose it, but mm-hmm. B, if you can, win it. And therefore, you, you, your rivals aren't getting anything, you're getting three. So you're getting a bit of a, 
you know, leap on them. That's it. I mean, yeah, you'd say like, for example, going into Preston, the main priority has got to be not losing the game, but then you do look at the table and uh, the position that Brentford are in, the, the blow of not getting the victory against uh, against Derby um, at the weekend is, it does maybe put the emphasis on, on Brentford needing to get the victory. The onus is more on them that Brentford need the win more than Preston would need to win at the weekend. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how we approach it and see whether they can uh, get those victories in the next couple of weeks. Well, Brentford always approach a game looking to win. Doesn't matter whether they're at Wolves or at home to Burton, is they'll always go out looking to win. It's it'll be interesting to see how Preston approach. It, I think mm. uh, same time again, teams have come to Griffin Park and just parked the bus. Barnsley did it. Burton did it. Derby did it when they took the lead earlier this season. Bristol City did it. Nor- Norwich did it after they took the lead. Is there's been a lot of bus parking at, at Griffin Park, and that's probably been one of their weaknesses really. Is that not also though a sign of respect towards Brentford that you yeah. know, teams are coming there and thinking we you know we're pointing a good good result here? Yeah, that that is the thing and is it it is a compliment, but Brentford also have to try and work out a bit more how how to break these teams down when they are putting men behind the ball. And it is difficult because if you are organised defensively and you're just parking a bus you can defend all night without conceding is it takes a moment of magic to score mm. is they, they do need to uh, work, work on that I mean I think personal probably look to set up to uh, sit back and counter I think that would be their their setup, which is pretty much how our teams are, are approaching a trip to a different part now Do you think then that, that it almost sort of suggests that the Brentford are better off away from home? In a way, I think they they are because you it is you do have teams that uh, like to uh, there's more onus on the uh, teams to attack, and um, they need to. Uh, be, it suits them in a way because they can. The, there's more space to uh, open up a defence. So uh, when you see a side that really is just putting nine outfielders behind the ball with a, a lump up front to just try and use as an outlet when you can is it is it's not an enjoyable game to watch and it, it's not an enjoyable game to play in either when team teams are just doing that because you just like pass pass oh can we get through there no no oh they blocked it oh try this so no it's just not working and it, that that's where it gets it gets frustrating for, for for players, staff, fans when, when they're seeing those things. So, is it? I think it helps Brentford a bit playing away away from home, where there is a bit more onus on the team to uh, come and attack. But I guess the the next two, well, after after Preston, they got Sunderland away, and it would be a slightly different dynamic with that one with Sunderland's position. Well, with Sunderland's position, they almost have to uh, have to win, or mm. if not, must not lose. So they might sort of treat it as if it's an away game. But the thing is, is one thing that's always sort of stood Brentford in good stead throughout the the last few years is normally it's the attitude of the opposing supporters towards Brentford. I mean seen it plenty of times actually to, to, with Aston Villa for instance as they all, they almost feel that they don't deserve to even be on the same pitch Brentford have taken eight points out of a possible 12 against them in the past two seasons 
Yeah. And the thing is, it sometimes is the attitude of the fans can sort of rub off onto the players. Oh, it's Brentford. Oh, they aren't the biggest of teams. Oh, it's not Man United and all that. Is that that's where they've sort of come good? And I think that was partly in the fourteen fifteen season where they reached the playoffs. Is they were relying on that a bit as well, and and the the arrogance of uh, other fans and. It, is t- a lot of time you see, oh, we shouldn't be losing to teams like Brentford or things like that, or and all. And Brentford actually just love that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And you sort of go, oh, Brentford don't have that, so they don't have the pressure and the ambition, etc., that clubs like Aston Villa have. But Brentford just love to take those sorts of comments and shove it down the other team's throat. And mm-hmm. it, it always makes for, for a bit more fun when those teams come to town and they. Uh, they walk away with their tails between their legs, but then you get teams such as, say, Valets, Derby, even Wolves, they play with that sort of humility, etc. as Wolves took it, were treating it as any other game. You'll go about, will t- treat any team in the same in the same vein because he's obviously experienced it in his career, so he wouldn't allow that sort of thing to happen. So I think you've got and those sort of two managers and two clubs is they are able to get these results against teams that park the bus because they almost always respect the dangers that they've got. Mm. But then you get others that think they're better than everyone else and they're the ones that tend to come unstuck. What about from the Brentford fans' perspective? I mean, where, where do they see themselves at the moment? And, you know, you say how other teams might view Brentford, but how do Brentford fans see it? Well, Brentford fans see themselves as a, as at least a top half championship side that can push towards the playoffs. Is that's what they've been the last three seasons, and have certainly looked like this season as well. As they aren't, uh, as they've always been in the top half, and they know Brentford fans know that they don't have the budget to compete with many most of the clubs in the league. But fans know they don't have the facilities to compete with most of the clubs in the league. That's why they're looking to move to a new stadium. Mm-hmm. Is they know that they don't have these things, but that's what almost makes it more special. Is it's the journey that certainly, if uh, probably it's a hardcore three thousand that. Ten years ago, Brentford were losing to Accrington Stanley on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. And, Losing to Morecambe and losing to Macclesfield on a Tuesday night, losing to, losing at Chester, is those clubs are very much sort of non-league small clubs, etc. Is Brentford fans that remember those days will be loving it at the moment. Is that is they know that it's almost competing against the odds because if. People believe that the size of your checkbook dictates how how good a team you are. Brentford would be nowhere near the top of the championship. Brentford probably wouldn't even be in the championship if it mm. if it was determined by the size of your checkbook, because we know they're big spending clubs in, in the lower leagues. And even look at Bilovicki. I'm not saying their budgets on a par with Brentford, but that will cert- that would certainly be on a par with probably some of the uh, lower league two clubs like Morecambe even. So. Mm. Is you've got is money is they like they like sticking it to the money clubs and it makes it more fun in a way. I think there's more you can enjoy the ride a bit more as well when you've sort of seen the 
seeing the lies and seeing mm. and you're experiencing it. Is it? Is there a lot of Brentford fans that are just enjoying the ride, looking forward to the progress that the new stadium will bring, and it's looking as if that's going to be uh, there's building work that's potentially going to start properly in the next few weeks, and that all of a sudden then that builds the excitement off the pitch as well that the club's moving in that in that direction. Hopefully they can keep that for a good factor going on uh, on Saturday as well and, uh, against Preston. Um, we'll wrap it up here. Um, Tom, you'll be at Griffin Park though this weekend, right? I think so. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we'll be back uh, next week with uh, a review of that one and obviously looking ahead to uh, Sunderland as well. But thank you for uh, joining us. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.